Welcome to the OA Light a Candle podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you will find three separate speaker feeds with over 300 speaker files. Links for you to subscribe to the podcast and a place where you can donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Raina. Thank you. Can you hear me, everybody? Yes. Yes? Okay. Thank you for the water. Appreciate it. Uh, my name is Raina, and I'm a recovering compulsive overeater. Hi, Raina. Hi, Raina. I'm also bulimic, and I'm also anorexic. I do it all. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to ask... Um, for my higher power to guide me and hopefully I will be saying something that will help someone this evening. Welcome to the newcomers. Um, when I first uh, started going, well, how far back do I really need to go? <laughs> That's always a big question. Um, I think like many people I come from a pretty dysfunctional family. Um, where uh, growing up I felt incredibly unsafe Um, and uh, actually sitting at the table with um, I was raised by my mother and my stepfather my parents divorced before I was born Um, and that was a very unsafe place being at the table sitting down with these two was very unsafe for me um there was so much unspoken rage there was also spoken rage but at the table it was unspoken because you know people were eating Um, and I was never really allowed to have my own sense of self Uh, it was always subject to what other people my mother believed was right for me I I wasn't allowed to say no and when I didn't want to eat something um, my stepfather would basically shove food down my throat, literally. Um, And sometimes I would uh, escape and, like, spit it out because I didn't want to swallow it. I had a really strong will at the same time, so it was like this battle of wills uh, that was going on from pretty young. Um, I also uh, grew up uh, with um, my mother having a lot of hatred for my father, so the feeling was whenever I saw my father was that I was betraying my mother and I felt guilty and that also started when I was very very young and my father would uh, when he would take me home back to my mother would give me a sweet and boom boom as they call it in French Um, and he would say to me here um, hide this it's going to be our secret and when you're alone, you can have the sweet, and it'll be like we're together. And uh, I've, I've, I've just been thinking about that recently. And um, it just came up um, recently. I was doing some writing about it. When you have feelings, you do some writing. Otherwise, you'll eat over it. That's how we do it here, you know. It's one of the tools. Um, and I was thinking about that, and I remember being um, 
in my bedroom and hiding under the covers and holding that sweet like it was, you know, some divine token of love and eating it and, and thinking, you know, about the sort of secret love that I have for my father that I cannot allow my mother to know about. And this became a ritual for me. And um, it was like the secret <coughs> ritual. And as a compulsive reader later in my life, uh, when the disease took over my life, because it does that, you know, um, it just takes over. So it's like the only thing you think about. Um, I completely forgot about this incident when I was growing up. I completely forgot about it. And I was, when I was started to work the steps, I started um, OA in the 80s in New York City. I think probably 1984, 85, something like that. Um, and I was completely baffled by the whole thing. I had no idea, but I knew I needed help. Uh, I just had no idea how to work it and what it meant and God, as far as I'm concerned, didn't belong in my life because God abandoned me when I was very young and nobody saved me. Um, so it was very difficult for me in the beginning. Uh, but I knew I was completely obsessed with food and body and image. And, uh, even, and I started out as a straight compulsive reader when I was probably about 15 and then graduated to becoming a bulimic. Um, because I didn't want to be fat and I was, you know, I'd gotten pretty fat. Um, but I was, uh, when I started to work the steps, I, um, I sort of just did what my, my first sponsor back in New York told me to do, but I didn't believe any of it. It didn't make any sense to me. Uh, I just didn't understand anything anybody said and I think partly because I was in such a fog with the food, you know, I would go to a meeting and go home and binge and, you know, and then go to another meeting and binge before the meeting and binge after the meeting, but I just kept going. And, um, and then I, um, moved to California, sunny California, and, um, <clears throat> and for whatever reason, there was something I started hearing more clearly when I came to California. Um, I've done a lot of what they call geographics, you know, where you think, like, if you move to another place, uh, you're going to leave yourself behind, which doesn't really work, although in my case, I think it was life-saving. You know, I, I left home in Europe um, and moved to this country. I was about um, 21 or something, uh, and I, I think for me, it was, uh, it was a really good thing. It was a really good thing. Um, but moving from New York to California, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm still me wherever I am. So it took me a while to find uh, an abstinence. It's taken me, I've had abstinence, long-term abstinence, which is a total miracle as far as I'm concerned. Um, before, I've had three abstinences, basically. I'm on my third abstinence. Um, and this one has been a little over ten years. Um, but I, I can, you know, this is a sort of a lifelong thing, obviously for me, at least. 
there is no finish line. And I think that's the biggest difference between diets and this program. It's like we do this one day at a time. And it's... Um, And once you've started, um, you know, once you do the, the steps the first time around, it's kind of, you know, sort of a cleaning house. You know, as best as you can do it. You know, just do it as best as you can. Because if you really stay, then you'll get to do it again more deeply, better the second time around or the third time around. Um, it's kind of peeling the layers of the onion, you know. And it's taken me all these years to get to that little sweet that my father gave me you know it's taken many years to get there um, and to, to realize that I was trying to give myself this sort of ritual container so I could kind of not break apart in a million pieces at the time and, and I think the food does so much you know that's why it's so hard to, to let go because it does so much for us it, you know, in my case, it just allowed me to survive. It was, you know, the love that I wasn't getting. It was um, the thing that I could get when nobody was giving me anything, when I, you know, anything that I really wanted, I couldn't get. So I, hey, the food was available. So I used that. And, um, which is why today I can have a lot of compassion for all the stuff I did with food, you know. The, uh, you know, the pizzas I bought that I said were for somebody else, you know, even though they were for me, and the gallons of ice creams that went down, you know, my throat and back up in a lot of cases also. Um, I do have a lot of compassion because it, it really uh, helped me survive. I, it just, I had no idea what was going on with me. You know, why I was in such a panic all the time. Why I was so anxious all the time. Why life constantly felt like survival all the time. The amount of anxiety in the body. And that's the thing. When you start working the steps, you really better work it. Because <laughs> when you stop eating, it's like all these feelings come up. You know, the ones you were covering up with the food that help you cope so that's why we have the steps that's why we have the tools so we find new ways of dealing with the food with the anxiety that the food helped us with and um, and I've never been able once I got into before I was in recovery before I started working the steps um, I had a huge amount of willpower which is probably why, you know, I survived <clears throat> on the one hand. But I had this huge willpower, so I could go on diets for ever, months. I would be on a strict, strict diet. I had amazing willpower. But one, you know, one bite of something that I wasn't on, the that wasn't on my diet, and I was gone. You know, I was gone and running the other way, and I would just be, you know, it's like I had climbed down Mount Everest, and I was back up, like, really fast, you know. Um, but once I entered program and, and started working the steps, my willpower was gone. It's like God took it away. I have no willpower left. And uh, it is a program that, you know, that is really about surrender. That's like... 
the first step. You have to admit you're powerless. And, and I think my higher power knew that I wouldn't be able to surrender unless my willpower was taken away. <laughs> uh, because my willpower, you know, was one, my ally. It helped me survive. So I couldn't control, you know, my, my first years in, in OA were very messy. And my food was very messy. And I had to be a really... I had to act out like a little kid. I acted out in these rooms like a little kid because I needed to. That's my story. I just needed to try everything and do it all wrong and still find acceptance and love in these rooms. And that's what I needed. I needed to do it all wrong and be a bad child (laughs) and uh, act out with the food, with everything, and still find acceptance. And once I realized that, you know, like with my former sponsor, you know, was, she wasn't going to beat me up no matter what I did with the food and whatever, it was like, okay, fine. I, I had to get, I, it's like I got to be the kid that I couldn't be growing up, you know? And I really started growing up with the program, with the 12 steps, uh, in this program and a couple of others, because I, I needed a lot of help to know how to live life. Because that's really what we end up doing here. I think we just end up learning how to live life. You know, a human life with, um, with dignity and, and some serenity and um, a way where you can, you know, feel good about yourself. Um, I always feel like the 12 steps are about, like, clearing out what stands between me and my real self. Like, who I really am, you know, this sort of divine light that it's the center of my being, you know, that gets reflected to me through these rooms, through these people, through meditation and conscious contact with a higher power. Um, let see. But to go back to that little uh, ritual I had with my father, um, Throughout my abstinence and my recovery, I've always had one of the difficult things, the hardest thing for me to let go of uh, was night eating. And as I worked the program and worked the steps, it started lifting, got better and better. It didn't go away, but, you know, it didn't, it didn't, it wasn't a binge anymore. It was, you know, an extra snack or something, or two, or three. Um, but it started diminishing. And that's another thing I found, and I think that's part of what, you know, my higher power did, taking my, my will, my uh, willpower away. It, I, I was never able to, like, stop eating a particular food, but I find, like, you know, Two or three months later, I'll realize, oh, I haven't eaten this food in like three months. Wow, what a miracle that is, and I haven't even thought about it. And that still happens, you know. I'll, I'll give something, you know, to my higher power. i say, okay, I'm willing to let go of whatever this, whatever this food is. Uh, but I don't know how. I can't do it. So please help me. If that's your will for me, let's do this together, you know. Let's find out. And, and then I just, you know, it's you call just turning it over. Uh, 
I'll sometimes put it in my God box, right, which is all the impossible things that terrify me, I usually put in there. Um, Of course, I'll talk with my sponsor about it, I'll write about it, but ultimately it's about giving it to God, whatever God is for you, you know, a God of my understanding. And, uh, and then the food just gets lifted. Um, I, I can't white knuckle. I know what people do, but I can't, I can't do that. That just never been something I've been able to do. Um, but with this night eating business, I, I was able to start throwing up. Well, I did it three times, so I've been able to do it a few times. Um, simply through uh, having acceptance and love. Well, it's not that simple, but uh, that's, that's what did it for me. That I, I got to a place where I'd worked the steps enough and I had been enough in program where I had learned to love myself enough so that I wouldn't have to do that to myself because it's so painful and um, destructive. But um, the night eating thing was um, really stomped me until I did more writing and and you know rediscovered my father's love in that little night ritual that I used to have to feel close to him. And there's something so, I mean you know, kind of sad about it, but um, I realized that I had um, made that a ritual for myself. And so when you become aware of, of something like that, it's like for me the next step was to have acceptance for it, realize, oh, now I understand why I do this on a deeper level. Um, and for me that's important uh, because it leads me to the awareness that with my higher power something can happen something can shift and so I you know I sort of you know I gave that little girl I gave that little girl with the sweet trying to connect to her father's love at night I gave that whole image to my higher power um, and realize that um, I needed to make a ritual out of my night time. You know, it really needed to be a deeper ritual. And it just so happened, like, um, I was thinking about this a lot just recently, and um, my, f- my father uh, passed away October 29th, four years ago. And so it was an opportunity for me to remember him at the same time. And so I did this ritual for myself, you know, at my night table. I had a picture of him and me together, and I lit a candle. And, um, and I, you know, I asked my higher power to just help me and, and soothe that, that little girl's need for love and acceptance, you know. Um, because I, I really felt that for me the food was so much about trying to find a way to feel love, to feel held, nurtured. Um, 
and uh, it was um, it worked it helped and so I can you know now I can see you know that little girl and her need uh, her need for that ritual and so I can bring a different kind of ritual you know ritual of closeness with my higher power ritual of of love and compassion and acceptance for that little girl um, and there is something very ritualistic uh, at least for me in all the stuff that I used to do with food um, you know the closing of the blinds the putting on the music the, the magazines or the television or the this and that all the stuff you know that we do around this this activity there's a lot of ritual in there and so you know for me ritual is really still very important but instead of a ritual of death if you will it's about finding a way to make it a ritual of life a ritual of connection with life a ritual of connection to my higher power all of that um, and that's what um, that's what I try to do in you know in practical terms um, I try to keep current with what's really going on with me because you know, feelings uh, trip me up all the time. Those darn feelings. Mm. But they're also really powerful indicators. And uh, so I do a 10-step every night, almost every night, um, which I send to my 10-step sponsor, I guess she is, um, and food sponsor. And in my 10-step my, uh, my has evolved over time. Um, I usually write, you know, what I've eaten. Like, if I feel, I do it at night, but if I feel like I need to do it in the morning because uh, I'm worried about, you know, how I'm going to do that day or my food choices or what's going on, whatever, I'll do it and send it to her in the morning. Uh, like a preemptive attack or something. I don't know. Um but otherwise, I usually do it at night, and I write what I've eaten that day, and um, I write the things that I've done well that day, because it's really easy for me to go into all the things that I've done wrong, and to beat myself up. And beating myself up is um, an old habit, which is very connected to this disease. So I try to stay in the stuff that I've done well and uh, gratitude. Those are the things that really help me. And of course I also write about things that I may have uncovered that day and the feelings that have come up um, during the day. So those are the basic things, you know. Uh, food, what I've done well, gratitude and what is there to uncover um, I um, generally talk to my sponsor about three days a week I have two commitments at two different meetings uh, it helps me get there even when I don't want to um, and of service, you know, try to be of service to other people in, in my life in general and in, in these rooms as well uh, because I, I believe that these 12 steps, as one of my sponsors said, are a bridge to life. We are here so we can learn to have a life. 
you know, a life that where we are being used by a higher power in the best way possible. Um, so I try to, you know, apply these principles in all my affairs as best I can. Um, and it's really been useful in my place of work, you know, tra- treating other people uh, with respect and kindly being honest, telling the truth. I used to think that I had to lie about everything. I couldn't tell the truth because if I told the truth, either I wouldn't be believed or I would be uh, beaten. Um, so I was, tr- was trying to hide myself in one way or another. Um, so learning through you know, these meetings to have the courage to tell the truth and to just be myself and that that's okay and that's enough. That's good enough. Um, I would say the most important thing in my life today is a relationship with a higher power. And I work on that, and it, it changes all the time, but I, I, you know, if there are, there are times where I don't feel connected, I feel really bereft. I have a, it's not an easy thing for me. Um, so I work on it. Uh, sometimes it feels very elusive um, and sometimes it feels very tangible and very real and that's also why you know we call people in this program because sometimes if you can't get there by yourself you know someone someone who's been there can get you there can help you get there and what I mean by getting there I mean getting to a connection to the truth about who you are, right? As opposed to all these fears, right? That we have all the time that cloud our judgments and our sense of self. And um, I think these steps are amazing. You know, it's it just gives us a, a way to live. And it's like then you can do anything. Um, you can walk through anything. And I certainly. You know, like I said, I just really don't do it perfectly. I don't think anybody really does. I, I get very um, suspicious when someone says they do it perfectly. Uh, <clears throat> but um, I do it one day at a time, which is very helpful, even though I have to fool myself into thinking that I'm really doing it one day at a time. Because sometimes I, I have this little voice that says, yeah, yeah, you mean for the rest of your life. and they say yeah that's right but one day at a time Um, I don't know if there's anything else I want to say but uh, (coughs) when um, you know when you're around long enough and when you've lived long enough you go through a lot you know you go through a lot of loss and grief and difficulties and amazing beautiful things as well you go through life a lot of stuff and it's really important to um, work a program that you know you work your program when things are good so that it's there when things are not so great you don't stop working your program when you know things are going great that's 
I find that if I really work it when things are going great, then I have it. It's there for me. You know, when things are tough. Because stuff comes up. You know, life happens. And the same with my abstinence. Well, I don't know if it's the same exactly. But in terms of my abstinence, I have a very simple bottom line abstinence. And for many years, it was just not throwing up. Um, And then it became not throwing up and not binging. And these have been the constants for me. But, of course, my food has changed, you know, a lot over the years. And I did a lot of, you know, experimenting like we sometimes do with different foods and things. But I find there are things that... um, I don't feel good when I eat them. And that's a big indicator now. You know, I put a bite of something in my mouth and I can almost immediately tell if this is going to be good for me or not. And then I have the choice. You know, do I ask my higher power for help and say, okay, I really need to not have a second bite of this. It's just not good for me. Or do I eat it and take the consequences? You know. Um, I wrote a, a, an email to my sponsor the other day where I was had experimented with some food. And I wrote, I, was, I meant to write, it's not a good idea for me to do this again. I, I don't think it's a good choice. And, um, but instead of writing, it's not a good idea, I wrote, it's not a God idea. I made a mistake, you know, I didn't mean to write that, but she pointed it out to me, and, uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's kind of funny how we do these things, but I, I really want to take that with me uh, in terms of, you know, when I'm about to do something or eat something, whatever it is, it's like, well, is this a God idea or not? And I think it's a good question to ask. You know, before you say something, before you do something, before you eat something. Is it a God idea? Hmm. So, um, I think um, I'm probably going to stop here. I just want to um, leave you with this one thing, which is a a little practice that I have when I feel uh, anxious and lonely. I usually put my hands on my heart one on top of the other and I take a breath and I just say may I be peaceful may I be safe may I awake to the light of my true nature And may I be willing to let go of the causes of suffering. And usually after I've said that, I always feel a lot calmer. It just helps me. I just want to leave you with that. Thank you. Is it time for questions? The God of my understanding... um, for me, it's um, 
I've had some, you know, I guess what you call spiritual experiences, and they um, usually have to do um, with nature. Uh, and I had to do a lot of healing around the mother concept. Um, and now I have a... Um, I need two. I need both. I need a father and a mother. I need to be fathered and mothered in this program. So mm, the God of my understanding is both father and mother to me. And the, uh, the earth itself, nature itself, is um, something you know, so much bigger than me, is very, um, very helpful for that as well. Oh, um, how did I go make a transition from feeling like there was no God or God had abandoned me to finding a, a higher power of my understanding? I asked. I said, okay, if there is a God, you know, I want, I want to feel it. I want to see it. I want to know it. Um, you know, give me some, Give me something. And, um, and I did. And I did repeatedly. And um, then st things started happening in my life that, that felt so miraculous that there was no way they could have happened without some higher consciousness around. And that's really, you know, I just ask. I really just ask. And um, the other thing you can do is... Um, which I've, I've heard say in the rooms, which I think is really helpful because, um, um, you know, sometimes we need to do that, is um, borrow, borrow someone else's God until you get your own. You know, someone who has what you want. You know? Just ask if you can borrow theirs. Well, whenever I'm in a, in a you know... I get on my knees when I'm in, you know, if I'm in a lot of pain or I'm having a hard time, I get on my knees uh, and I listen to that still small voice, you know, ask for guidance. Uh, if I can't get anybody on the phone to talk to also, or if I'm too, like, crazy to call someone, you know. Uh, I will go outside. I find that changing my environment, you know, getting away from the kitchen is always a good thing to do. For, for me at least and I will go walk outside I've, I've, I spent uh, many of my early years taking walks outside at night in my neighborhood you know going around the block and finding that just feeling connected to my body in a more real way having to use my legs and walking uh, just sort of got me from being stuck in my head down more into my body and actually breathing and feeling what, okay, what's happening, you know, because there's usually, you know, something going on, even if I don't know what it is. So it gives me, you know, a chance to go for a walk with God, basically. Um, and, um, you know, in terms of, yeah, the practice of breathing, and... Um, I did a lot of the I did a, the serenity prayer a lot when I was first starting meetings. I would just you know say it over and over again sometimes. Um, 
it's like I, you know, really trying to um, find a way to stop your head, right? Because everything starts up here. It's whatever you're thinking. You know, it's like, oh, wouldn't it be a good idea to go buy, you know, a tub of ice cream? <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, we think things like that, right? So, and the next thought is because you're in program, because you're here, because you're, you know, have fellows and we're in the set, it's like, part of you knows, like, this is not really a good idea. So what's the next thing that you do after that thought has taken you know, do you let that thought take hold until it becomes a compulsion? Or do you take an action? Do you get on your knees? Do you pray? Do you call someone? Do you go out for a walk? Do you read literature? You know, do you write? Okay, I want a tub of ice cream. I want a tub of ice cream. You know, even if you have to write it until you start getting to what is really happening. What am I really feeling? Why do I want this tub of ice cream? <gasps> you know. It's the anniversary of my father's death. Oh, maybe that has something to do with it. You know? Sponsorship is, you know... I, um... To be really honest with you, I've had a really hard time with sponsorship. I mean, in terms of me sponsoring other people. Um, I've had, like, a lot of sponsees at one time, and then they all disappear. Uh... Um, so I'm willing to, you know, pass on what I've learned. Um, the one thing I can say that's really good about sponsorship it is that it makes me work the steps. <laughs> because when I'm going through the steps with a sponsee, I'm like redoing the steps at the same time, basically, you know. So it keeps me... It keeps me fresh in that way. I would say that's the most powerful thing for me about sponsorship. Um, but I've not, you know... I, I've had to really be careful, because I'm also an Al-Anon and a bunch of other things, in terms of, um, like, helping someone get through the steps and at the same time having boundaries with that person, like, you're not, you know not getting enmeshed in that relationship and having boundaries and so on. So it's a very fine line for me. To really be of service, I also have to stay, you know, inside myself and not like, you know, because I won't, you know, part of me wants to go and like fix that person, which I can't do. So um, it, it's a fine line. But... In terms of having a sponsee, I think it's the best way to stay current with your own steps in that way. Meditation. Um, <coughs> actually, um, I love meditation. Uh, getting to meditate is a little difficult, but once I'm in meditation, I love it. So I have to, you know remind myself that I need the time but I do it I do it at least once or twice a day if I can um, I have so much fear and anxiety in my body still right that um, 
If I don't, I'm going to be a basket case pretty quick. So, um, I really, um, it's a big, big priority in my life right now. And it's, I mean, it's such a amazing thing when I, when I really let myself drop into meditation. It's, it's about feeling embraced and loved for me. That's what it's about. It's like connecting to, you know, to life in, in a way that feels completely peaceful. Um, where I don't have to do anything, I don't have to prove anything, I don't have to even be anything. I'm just here. And um, it's kind of a relief in some ways. You know? Is that it? Thank you very much.